Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, here we go. Championship weekend set on the pump fake. Jerry Bailey with you as always. Joined as I have been throughout the playoffs by my friend from Sports Illustrated and the Monday morning quarterback, Matt Rotoram. Um, I thoroughly expected to come into today and have a different conversation than the ones I've had with you at around this time for the past four years. But alas, here we are again. My Buffalo Bills are... You are gone. My Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think I've just kind of adopted them at this point. Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Stop. It's embarrassing. (laughs) But uh, regardless of of that, they uh, suffer another gut punch playoff loss. Um, And while this isn't completely unfamiliar territory in terms of that, it is unfamiliar territory when we look at what they're going to be going through this offseason, which we'll touch on in a minute. I think overall from the game, though, things that stood out to me from the Bills side of things, they were not going to test the secondary of the Chiefs, and Josh Allen's spray chart proves that, um, as does their yards per play. They only they averaged less than five yards a play. I think it was 4.4. They had 31 more plays than the Chiefs did. They held the ball for almost 15 more minutes than the Chiefs did. It, it was very evident what their game plan was. It was hold the ball. Keep it out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes. And that's a good game plan, but you got to get points. You got to get into the end zone if you're going to have that game plan. And they fell short a few times of doing that. So here we are again with the Buffalo Bills falling short to the Kansas City Chiefs. What uh, what was your main takeaway from that? Um, I mean, my main takeaway is a really simple one. They're not good enough to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. They're not. They're, they're not. Now, look, I you could sit there and say, well, injuries, injuries, injuries. Okay, fine. But they had them, and they've had injuries for years. I mean, the Bills have seemed to be one of those teams that rack up injuries. And I'm not saying that you know Milano's injury prone. He's not. He's he just happened to get you know a bad break in, against Jacksonville. But this is the NFL. Guys get hurt. It happens. I mean, the Chiefs lost one of their starting safeties. The second play of the game, Willie Gay played 11 snaps before he had to leave hurt. Okay, like it he was questionable coming in too. Like we right. didn't know if Willie Gay was going to play. So it's like, look. You know, were they beat up as Buffalo? No, God, no. But, like, they, you know, guys get hurt. Guys get hurt. That's life. If the Chiefs lose next week and Joe Tooney doesn't play, I'm not going to be sitting here saying they lost because Joe Tooney wasn't there. I mean, it, it, that's reality. But I think in, even even with guy, look, they're not good enough. They weren't they weren't beat up offensively outside of Gabe Davis being out, who everybody in Buffalo can't wait to see leave anyway. Right. Allen threw the ball 21 times past the line of scrimmage. He completed 10 passes for 95 yards. I mean – that's it's not good enough. And I think that kind of leads to my second takeaway, which is there's this weird thing that we do with Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, where oh, it is, no. this, you know, it is, it, it really, it, it is. We have this bar for guys like Mahomes, certainly for Lamar Jackson, guys who it's like, Hey, if Mahomes went and threw for 4.8 yards per attempt in a game and they lost, You'd never hear the end of like, well, he didn't play well enough. 
Allen, now he ran the ball great. No one's denying that. But, like, mm-hmm. he didn't throw the ball for anything. And, yes, Diggs had a really bad drop. Those two balls were Sherfield. Sure the one was a good throw that Watson was all over him. It's a tough catch. Fine. It happens. The other one wasn't a great throw. The guy had to lay out horizontally to try to catch the football. And that wasn't a bad throw, but it was good coverage. It's a tough play. doesn't make it. Fine. And I'm not sitting here killing Josh Allen. I would not even put him in the top three reasons they lost the football game. But I do think we have this weird thing. Like if Lamar loses on Sunday to Mahomes and Lamar throws for 4.8 yards per attempt, all you're going to hear Monday morning is, well, you know, Lamar, just, they don't throw the ball well enough. They don't do this well enough. They don't do that well enough. If Mahomes loses the game and he throws and has some kind of stat line, I think you're going to hear about it. Allen, it's like he can do that. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Diggs dropped the ball. The Chiefs are a bunch of plumbers at receiver, except for Rasheed Rice. All they've done is drop the ball year long. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They've dropped 30, 40 passes, whatever the hell it is. And yet we sit here and we got to pretend like it's, well, it's not Josh Allen's fault. I don't think it's Josh Allen's fault, but I think like to sit there and say he played great in that game. I mean, he, he played fine. He was fine. And I would say like Her- Herbert gets the same treatment. You know, he'll go out and throw 300 yards and then throw the worst pick you've ever seen in the last five minutes of a game and they lose. And people are like, well, what is he supposed to do? Like, well, don't throw that pick. Now, yeah, sometimes it's the Chargers and like God knows other forces are at play with the Chargers. Again, not saying he's all the problem, but I think we have this weird like, the bar is so different for different. Like Tua is another guy like that. Tua makes one throw that's worth anything, and people are like, "Look at Tua, oh Tua on Finns Nation." And then like, but then he throws like four balls in the dirt, and everybody's like, "Ah, it's all right until the playoffs come." Like it's it's just weird. We have different bars for all these guys, but in the end, look, I thought Allen played well enough to win the game. They didn't win the game because they're not good enough to win the game, and that's been proven out now the last four years. They lost three times to Kansas City. They lost once to Cincinnati. And by the way, last year wasn't even close against Cincinnati. They got blown out at home. Allen did not play well in that game. He played great in the 13 seconds. He's the best game he's ever played. Yeah. That had nothing to do with him in terms of the loss. The year prior to that, I don't get on him. He didn't play well. But look, that, that's a brutal spot. They weren't ready for that game. And they went to Arrowhead in the AFC title game. They got killed. Fine. But, you know, how could you look at them the last four years and think that they're good enough to win a Super Bowl? They can't beat the two top teams in the conference. I'll touch on all of that in sections. So I'll say this about the quarterback thing. When it comes to, you know, you pointed out if, if Mahomes had that game, then he'd be killed. I think when you break down different quarter, like we do this all the time, oh, let's tier these quarterbacks or whatever. I think when you are looked at as, you know, a higher tier quarterback, you're going to be held to a higher standard. So I can get the argument in terms of Allen deserves a little bit more blame. I will also say, you know, you talked about the throws already to Diggs and to Sherfield. That's what I keep coming back to is, yeah, if two of those are caught, I think that the complexion of the game is very – especially the last one, the the, the one to Diggs, where it's the first play of the final drive, um, and he drops out – I think it was like seven minutes and change left in the game. And if you get them in the red zone at that point, uh, whatever happens, it changes the complexion of the game. Instead, they go 16 plays. They try to just kill the rest of the clock. And whether that result on a touchdown, whether they try to kick a field goal, it, it didn't work. Correct. The the other thing that I will say in favor of Allen is the Bills defense was putrid all night. Um, outside of the Chiefs kneeling at the end of the first half, outside of the Chiefs um, kneeling at the end of the game, the uh, the Chiefs scored on five of seven drives 
the Bills held them to one punt, and Nicole Hartman fumbled at the one. So very easily could have scored on six of seven of their yep. other drives. So and I'm not saying you made it very clear, you know, this isn't on Allen or anything of that sort. They aren't built to beat the Chiefs, too. And you kind of touched on that. And we've had this conversation, not just recently, for the past few years, it seems. They don't have a pass rusher that can get to Mahomes where they can get there with four. They don't have that type of playmaker off the edge. That's why they got Von Miller. But Von Miller, after getting hurt, hasn't been Von Miller, and now they have to pay him a ton of money. They also gave Ed Oliver a fortune for a defensive side. He had a damn good year this year. and then He did have a very good year, yes. Yeah, they the way that they've devied up their money has been weird. And I was a little bit critical of the Ed Oliver deal when it happened, but he did have a very good year. Um, but you look at like all of this draft capital that they've invested at that spot, like Russo, his he's fine. AJ Penes had a nice year, but he's not like a premier alpha right. edge rusher. Boogie they don't Basham have that. Disaster. Boogie yeah. Basham was a big disaster. They sent him out of town. So like right. they, I agree. They they've taken huge swings at the position. Yeah. They have not necessarily hit. I think Rousseau is a good definition. He's a fine player. Uh Epinesa, yeah. Look, he's a free agent. You know, he probably leaves. Yeah. Uh Von Miller was good last year before he got hurt. This year he was a hood ornament. And they had a nice signing, Leonard Floyd. You know, one year deal, ten and a half sacks. He was persona non grata in that playoff game. And again, I, I mean, I think when when you look at the Bills. They're a very talented, they're a very good football team. And by the way, I think Allen is a top three quarterback in the league. I do think Burrow is better than him when, when he's healthy, but we can have that discussion. That's fine. Sure. Um, top three is not an insult by any means. I mean, he's a, he's yeah. a great football player. And I, again, I don't think it was his fault, but my point is like, and you kind of touched on it, like, well, you know, Mahomes is a upper tier quarterback, so he's going to get judged differently. But people talk about whether Allen's better than Mahomes all the damn time. So, I mean, then, then judging by the same Sword, right? I mean, judging by this, look, like the worst game Mahomes has ever played in the playoffs, I think everybody would agree, was the AFC title game a couple years ago against Cincinnati. Yeah. He, he, he fell apart in that game. You know what his numbers were in that game? He was 26 to 39 for 275, three touchdowns and two picks. Like, two picks aren't great. He threw for 275 yards on 7.1 yards per attempt and three touchdowns. And people were like, God, he was terrible. And he was. He was terrible in the second half and overtime in that football game. And yet nobody, like, it didn't matter. He, I mean, he, he threw for way more yards per attempt. He threw for more touchdowns. You know, like, and, and my point is, I'm not saying he played well that day. He didn't. But Allen in this game, I'm not saying he deserves a C minus. He doesn't. Yeah. He probably deserves a B. Like, it wasn't a great game. When you throw for 4.8 yards per attempt, and did he even hit 200 yards in this game? I'd have to look. Oh, I'd have to look too. I think it was a buck eighty nine. I was gonna say it was just below that, right? So he threw yeah. one eighty six. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, he was fine. He wasn't bad, but like, there's all this conversation. But he was the best player on the field, lot, you know, on, on Sunday night. His QBR was sixty five point four, which I, I would think is fair. Mahomes' was ninety one point two in that game. Mm. I mean, yes, Allen ran for seventy three yards. Mahomes ran Fair for touchdowns. And yep, yeah, two touchdowns. I think he played very well. I think the main reasons they lost that game was the defense was was beat to hell. That's number one. Number two is they didn't execute well enough. They didn't execute well enough. They got Shakir wide open in the back of the end zone. Dawkins can't block Jones. Allen can't move yeah. out of the way. Diggs drops a pass. McDermott decides that this is a great time to run DeMar Hamlin on a fake punt. Then that yeah, ended up even hurt him. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, because Hardman fumbled two times, both times he touched the ball. But it's like, 
I guess I just look at the game and go, look, in the end, I mean, Tyler Bass, he can't hit a field goal. He's in his own building with the yeah. wind to his back. He misses. Like, the, and this is, by the way, this is a pattern when they play the Chiefs in the playoffs. The Chiefs out-execute them. Like, mm-hmm. take the quarterbacks out. Just, just as a team in general, the Chiefs out-execute Buffalo. They do it every time they face them. Go back and look at the 13 seconds game. If you're Buffalo, all you've got to do is play defense for 13 seconds. You couldn't do it. The Chiefs didn't hit a 65-yard field goal. That thing was under 50. Like, the Bills don't execute in these games. Whatever the reason, coaching, player failures, whatever. And I think the result is you've got to change something, whether that's the coach, which it doesn't appear it's going to be, whether that is really remaking parts of the roster, which it might be with the cap crunch they have and free agency. They have to do something different because to come back next year, and think they're going to beat the Chiefs and the Bengals and maybe even the Ravens, like, based in what? Hope? There's, there's no reality has shown that they're winning those games. Tyler Dunn did a really nice piece on Go Long today where he basically said the Bills need to figure out if they're going to build around Sean McDermott or if they're going to build around Josh Allen. And they're, I'm not going to like give away a lot of the piece or anything. Go read it. It's a really good piece by Tyler Dunn. Um, but uh, a former teammate of Josh saying, like, Josh basically needs to put, for lack of a better term, put his dick on the table and remind everybody who this team belongs to. But that's not who Josh Allen is, and we know that. He's very much an even-keel guy. Um, in terms of what they do this offseason, um, they're $44 million over the cap. That's the third-worst situation in the NFL. There are a few moves that they can make uh, to bring that down a little bit. If they restructure the deals of Allen and Von Miller, to get to the minimum that it can be in 2024 that saves them 30 million against the cap. One other move that they can do, and I think they might do and should do trade Tredavious White. Um, That would save them $6 million against the cap. He's missed 30 games over the past three seasons. He's only played in 10 games in the past two years. Russell Douglas and Christian Benford have both emerged as more than capable starting options. I don't see a reason why Tredavious White is back next year. And I think that's a move that they should do to save them a little bit of money. Uh, I think if they could trade Travis White, they should do it yesterday. I don't know if they're going to be able to trade him. I mean, he's coming off of a torn Achilles after tearing his ACL. He was yeah. okay when he came back. He wasn't great when he came back. Right. Um, And if you look at his contract, it runs through 2025. So it only has two years left. Now, if they trade him, uh, Look, the, the the team acquiring him is taking on eight point three five million next year, ten point four eight the next year, and 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 it would be a team option essentially. So, I'm not saying that they couldn't trade him. They they certainly could make that move. They would save some money. They would eat some dead money. It'd probably be a post June one trade. Yeah. Um, I think if they trade him, they're not getting much. Sure. I mean, I, I, they'd probably get a you know, I don't know, a day three. A five. You know, yeah, fourth or fifth round pick. Like, I don't think they'd get a whole hell of a lot because if you're a team that's trading for him, you're kind of taking a flyer. Yeah. Uh, and is he even going to play to start the season next year? So, look, the problem the Bills have right now is is the, the Miller contract's a disaster. It's so bad. And they don't really have an out this year. Oh, no, he's going to be there next year. I mean, there's there's no – I mean, if you look at his deal, just to, just to pull it up here, I mean, Von Miller's contract, they signed him for six years and like a and 120 mm-hmm. million, which is not really absurd. Okay? Yeah. But like next year, they can they cannot get rid of him. I mean, I there's there's no world where they're even cutting him post June one. No, no chance. Okay. Because the last two years his base salary has been under one and a half million. Now it's gonna I was gonna change. say that they front lo- they backloaded the contract for that reason. So yes. so 
Now, after this year, they could cut him post-June 1, and they could eat some dead money, and it's not a disaster, and they could do it. They would have to post-June 1 him, though, because pre-June 1. So they're not going to get any, like, free agency money out of it. Right. Nobody's training for him. He's 35 years old this year. So in reality, look, they're going to have to eat him on the roster and a huge, huge chunk of money next year. And the year after that, they'll move on, you would think, um, unless he has a resurgence. But they're still going to be they're going to they're going to be eating money on that deal for two years, and especially this upcoming one. Yeah, it's not great. And plus, Jordan Poyer's still under contract. Can't see a world where he's back. I mean, that's the problem that we've also discussed is that these are all a bunch of older guys that don't have at positions where they don't have ready young talent to take over for them. So they're really going to have to hit on the draft, which they haven't done in recent memory. They're going to have to hit the draft. And I thought this year was probably the best draft they've had. I mean, Kincaid is a player, and I think yep. it's a nice job. And, you know, they've had, like, they've had, like, guys who have been decent, but they just – they haven't hit on, like, major guys. I mean, right. if you look – you know, if you look at their draft history in the last, you know, let's say four or five years, you know, like, okay, so you go back to the, – the, so the draft they had with Allen – and the draft prior to that were great drafts. So they, they drafted in 2017, they got Tredavious White, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano. Great draft. Great draft. 2018, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Harrison Phillips, Teron Johnson. They actually even drafted Wyatt Teller, but he really never played for them. Okay, great draft. After that is where it starts to fall off. So like first round, they took Ed Oliver, which I'd say, right, yeah, look, he was a top 10 pick. He's been a good player. Yeah, he hasn't um, been. He hasn't lived up to a top ten. He's not pick. a top ten. Boy, he's a good player. Dawson Knox he took in the third round for a third rounder. Is a good pick. Everybody else out of that draft is is not worth talking about. And Devin Singletary was third. He was decent. He was fine. Yeah. Twenty twenty. That draft has been okay. They didn't have a first rounder. They they took Epinesa in the second, and they took Gabe Davis in the fourth, which is a good value pick. That's yeah, good value. They took Tyler Bass in the sixth, which is fine. Okay, Dane Jackson in the seventh, fine. But again, nobody who's like a Pro Bowl level player out of that group. Twenty twenty one is a draft that they'll they'll rather forget. I mean, Rousse- other than Rousseau and Spencer, Rousseau's been Allen, fine, man. It's eh. and then last year Elam's a disaster. Cook and Bernard and Shakir look to be really good picks, and Benford's a nice pick in the sixth round. So last year's draft, you know, twenty twenty two, I think you'll look at it and you go, okay, it's a good draft. It's, 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 they did a nice job there. This year, we'll see what they get out of uh, in the last four picks they had. But like Kincaid and Torrance, I-, I think it'll at least be a solid draft. The problem that the Bills have is they don't have – they didn't draft anybody who's a superstar out of that group. They didn't yeah. draft anybody who like that guy's going to be a, a, a Pro Bowl or perennially, right? You know, you look around the AFC and but you know Baltimore's got Kyle Hamilton, right, to sit there and hang their hat on and Linderbaum, right? And, and, I, and I think Keaton Mitchell before he got hurt. So like Jay Flowers, another Jay Flowers, yeah. Right, like Kansas City has Isaiah Pacheco and Rasheed Rice and Creed Humphrey and Nick their entire defense basically. And, Trent on, McGuffey, and, and George Carl, like the Chiefs drafted ten freaking guys in the last two three years. You're like yeah. that guy yeah. is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Cincinnati, not as much in the last couple of years, but obviously have a lot of young talent. The Bills have not they haven't drafted atrociously, but they just haven't drafted those like two or three or four guys. Who you're like. Those guys are pillars that we're right. building around, and that's that's the issue. Oh, now Baltimore will host Kansas City in the AC Championship game. Uh, the Ravens, after a slow start in the first half, came out just guns blazing in the second half. Defensively, they had the Texans in fits all afternoon, and yep. you could tell that this was a matchup between 
you know, a little bit more of an experienced team and a Houston Texans team who will be back, but this is the first taste that they had of playoff action. A lot of pre-snap issues uh, for the offensive line. Yes. Uh, the looks that Mike McDonald was throwing at Houston um, defensively was, uh, I think, had Stroud and everybody missing Tank Dell, you know, wanting more options out there. I, I applaud what D'Amico Ryans did. Um, kind of going against his own philosophy in the first half where he said, well, I'm just going to blitz the hell out of Lamar Jackson and make them you know, beat us. Uh, but Baltimore adjusted really well in the second half, just kind of becoming a more like dip and dunk type team where they were saying, okay, we'll just you know give it to Zay Flowers, give it to Nelson Aguilar, let them get a few chunks at a time. And defense forced some turnovers. Overall, the Ravens turned everything around in the second half. What are your thoughts, I mean, being the Chiefs guy, going into Baltimore facing the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, a team that Mahomes has largely had the number of uh, in their many matchups so far? You know, listen, Baltimore is, is, you know, I think right now the best team in the league uh, based on the way they've played all year long and, and certainly did nothing to dissuade you from that in the playoff game. I mean, they outgained Houston 352 to 213. They held the 10 first downs. It bought, the Ravens had 22 first downs of their own. They didn't allow, they didn't allow the – the Texans often score a touchdown. No, no touchdowns from them. Didn't get in the red zone. I mean, as you mentioned, look, I mean, Houston took a million penalties, took 11 penalties in the game. That that didn't help them. Yeah. Um. You know, it, you know, it, it was a game where they had 20 more plays in them. And neither team was good on third down, but it doesn't really matter when you've got that many more plays and you're holding right. them down. It, I mean, I, I would put it this way. I think for Baltimore, that game kind of – fit into a nice box in the sense that you got a rookie quarterback, you got a first year head coach, and you had an offense that if you could take away Collins, like they were going to struggle. I yeah. mean, realistically, which is why at Cleveland, I still don't understand the game plan in that game. Like he's, I mean, my guy Nico Collins is still running. Um, but Baltimore's great. I mean, they lead the league in a litany of defensive categories. You know, in this game, and nothing new. I mean, they, they actually didn't force a turnover, which is surprising. They lead the league in takeaways. Um, but they they force a ton of issues in the game. And, and look, they ran the ball like crazy, uh, you know, 229 yards, a couple of touchdowns, Jackson at 100 yards. I, I think, you know, they have more ways probably to win this game than Kansas City does. Um, at the same point, the other side of the coin is this is Kansas City, which the season doesn't even start for them until this game at this <laughs> point. So look, I will say this. I don't think Baltimore is going to throw the ball very much against Kansas City. I, I don't think they can do it. I mean, if Buffalo can't do it, I don't think Baltimore is doing it. And, sure. you know, other than Zay Flowers, who scares you on Baltimore? I mean, I really, like, anybody really does. The Chiefs are going to put Snead on, on Flowers and they're going to put McDuffie on back and just say, beat us. I mean, that that's, that's just going to happen. Um, Baltimore does force you to play some zone because you got to keep eyes on Jackson. So that'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs do there. I would imagine the Chiefs are going to put eight guys in the box the whole game and just try to suffocate the run, um, it's very difficult to do it. They are the number one rush team in the league by by total rushing yardage. Um, I think that's a big part of this game. But I also think to kind of say maybe something a little less obvious, who gets out in front in this game? Because mm -hmm. if Kansas City can get out in front of them, and they make Baltimore have to play to throw the ball a little bit more. We've talked about that. Baltimore's that, not good at playing from behind. That's a problem. Like, if they can get this into a game where Baltimore's got to throw 35, 40 times, they'll win. They'll win the game. I think when the Chiefs run offense, um, 
Look, Baltimore leads the league in sacks. They're oddly not a big pressure rate team. Like they're they're like 23rd in the league in pressure rate, and they don't blitz a whole hell of a lot, but they get a lot of sacks. Um, so that when they get home, they do finish. Mahomes is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league in the league to sack. The Chiefs are going to scheme around some of that stuff. Some of it they're they're going to have to just ha- handle straight up. Um, I think the most important thing offensively for Kansas City in the game, and the most important thing defensively for Baltimore, is listen. You're, you're going to have to take Pacheco away from the Chiefs in this football game. If he can run the ball and he can get the Chiefs in the second and fives and third and threes, they'll scheme up enough. They're one of the one of the best third down teams in the league. Um, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be tight. So literally the first and second-ranked defenses in the NFL. I think it's going to yeah. be low-scoring, tight. Um, I think it's going to come down to probably can Baltimore – turn over the Chiefs, which they've been great at all year long. They lead the league in takeaways. And can they get pressure on Mahomes? And conversely, can the Chiefs limit Baltimore's ground game? They're not going to shut them down, but can they limit it enough, limit explosive plays where you get them in some third and sevens? And if you can do that, if you're the Chiefs, you feel pretty good. So I think I think this is a very compelling game. And I think those are probably the three things I'm looking at. On the other side of the coin, the NFC is set as well. Detroit Lions will travel to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. Um, weird game for San Francisco against Green Bay where it was evident early on that the rain was affecting Brock Purdy. It was affecting yep. the 49ers offense. They lose Debo Samuel. Um, and the offense for the 49ers with Debo Samuel compared to the offense without Debo Samuel is night and day. If you look at it from um, an advanced metric standpoint uh, with him on the field, especially for their rushing offense, they have the top EPA in the league without Debo Samuel on the field. They're 14th. So he's you know, as great as McCaffrey is the versatility of Samuel, I think is kind of what is the nucleus and the catalyst of, of that offense. Still don't really know what his status is going to be. I would expect him to play. Um, that said, what did uh, what did the performance for Purdy against the Packers say to you? What did the performance of the 49ers against the Packers say to you? Well, it said they're far from infallible, and they should have mm-hmm. lost that game. Sure. Well, let's, let's be honest. I mean, they should have lost that football game. And they didn't. They didn't. And, and in the playoffs, you're not sitting there apologizing for it. Who cares? You won, mm-hmm. you won. But – that was that was a bad performance. And by the way, you know what goes undersold because everybody's sitting there talking about Purdy. Their defense kind of sucked mm. in that game. Like their defense was not good in that football game. You know, so they played played well in the fourth quarter. Give them credit for that. But like they did not play particularly well in that game. I was gonna say most of the plays that they made, especially at the end, was more self-inflicted wounds from Jordan Love than it was the 49ers defense being good. The Niners in that game, you were not look, I'll I'll tell you right now, before I even get into this. Whoever wins the AFC title game, I think, is winning the Super Bowl. Okay. I, I think either one of those teams are better. Okay. Uh, the Chiefs weren't all year long, but I think now they're to the point that they're playing their best football. And if they beat Baltimore, I think they will handle San Francisco. And I think Baltimore would roll San Francisco again. I don't trust Purdy in games where they're tight. And I don't trust Purdy when he's got to come back. And I know Niners fans go crazy with stuff like that. Look, man, Purdy, it doesn't happen a lot because they're really good. But like when they get down, He's not good. Yeah. And for all these people like the game winning drive and go back and watch the game winning drive. He just to check down for five yards. I mean, he had that one great throw in the game to Jennings over yeah. the middle 
up over the second level, down before the corners. Great play. He didn't play well in that game. He was awful in that game. The Packers could have caught the ball defensively. I, mean, that game I was going to say, he threw a loaf of bread to Darnell Savage at the beginning of the game. That's a pick six again for Savage yes. if he catches it. No questions, pick six. I mean, that's a route if they ca- if he catches that ball. Yeah. So, no, look, should have, could have, would have. It didn't happen. But if I'm the Lions, my entire thought process is I am doing everything imaginable to shut McCaffrey down this game. Everything. And I'm making him throw it. I don't care. You know who has the highest pressure rate in the league? Detroit does. Really? Detroit and then Kansas City, top two teams in the NFL. I would not Detroit, have guessed that. Detroit gets a lot of pressure. 28% of the time they get home to your quarterback. Like, they get pressure. And the Niners, it's not a great offensive line. Trent Williams is amazing. But, like, the rest of the line, eh, you can kind of have it. Detroit, if they're going to win this game, they're going to win up front. They're going to be able to run the ball, and they need to take away McCaffrey. And if they can do that, they can win. Because Goff is better than Purdy. And oh, absolutely. Ben Johnson, he might not be Kyle Shanahan, but he's not he's not bad either. I mean, he is the number one coaching candidate in the league right now, right? At least first time coach, you know, with, with Harbaugh and Belichick out there. But I think I think Detroit's got a real chance to win the game. I, I think of the two games, I feel more confident picking San Francisco than I would either of the AFC teams. Okay. But I like. I would not be shocked if Detroit went in there and won that football game. I'd be a little surprised just because the one weakness Detroit has it is glaring. They've given up the most air yardage in the NFL this year. Yeah, exactly. you can throw the ball all over them, and if they can't get the Purdy, it's going to be a massacre. That's the problem, and I think Shanahan knows it. So I think you're going to see a lot of quick stuff out of his hands. Whereas in the AFC game. I could easily make a case the Ravens go in there, they handle business, they win. I could also make a case for the Chiefs go in there, they commit eight guys to the box the whole game. Mahomes is Mahomes, and you're like, oh, they won 31 to 20. I mean, you know, so the AFC, I think, is much more of a, of a, of a toss-up, whereas the Niners, I, I think there's ways the Lions win, but I think the Lions have to do certain things or they have no shot, whereas the Ravens and the Chiefs, even if they don't necessarily hit on all their keys, I think they can do enough around it to find a way to win. The one thing that I do worry about with the Lions offense is that they live and die with a lot of in-breaking routes, a lot of dagger concepts and whatnot. And it's a lot different throwing against Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner than it is KJ Britt for for Tampa. So I I think that that is the one thing I'm worried about. They don't have anybody vertically that's really going to scare you. Like Amon Ross St. Brown's great, but he's not, you know, a downfield. Could be Jameson Williams hours. It could be. It could be. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to sell Jameson Williams to some huge guy, but like I agree with you. If they're going to beat them, they got to get the ball vertically down the field. Yeah. I mean, even even if it's just a couple times, you've got to be able to stretch them. Because if the Niners are just going to drive on all those in-breakers, it becomes very, very difficult. Sure. But if you hit on, like, you know, people a lot of times don't rush. You hit on one of those, one of those deep balls, two of those deep balls, those safeties, they're going to start cheating to play back. They have to. And then it opens up. Okay, now you can take, you know, instead of running that dig route at 10 yards, you can run it at 12, 13 yards. Doesn't sound like a lot. Three yards is nine feet. That's a lot of space. That's a big difference. So I agree. They're going to have to get some deeper, deeper balls that open up San Francisco a little bit. I don't know if you know, but uh, if you don't, do you have a guess on what the, uh, the line for this game is? Six and a half. It is seven on FanDuel right now. Okay, SI so, Sportsbook has it six and a half. But yes, there we go. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would like to see. I mean, I think most of the, the country would love to see a Lions Super Bowl appearance. I think that would be great. What would this be the first time that the first game of the season was also the last? I'd have to 
we need to get somebody to, oh, yeah, to look into that. It would have to be. It would have to be. I, I'd be shocked if it's not. Yeah, if the Chiefs and the Lions played each other. Yeah. Um, and, and look, if the Lions do, and we've seen them play both Kansas City and Baltimore, one of which was a win in week one, the other in which the Lions got slaughtered by Baltimore. Yes. Um, what would be different for the Lions in either of those games should should one of them take place? Well, unless something happens, Kelsey and Jones would be playing in this game. So, that's that. That's true. Yeah, that's two big Rashid, ones. She Rice was like playing like ten snaps a game at that point. I mean, right. they barely like the Chiefs basically were without like three of their best players in that game. Um. Oh yeah, because uh, at the end, Tariko said something about an asterisk, and it pissed a lot of people off. I mean, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore played like ninety percent of the game. So I, I mean, that would be a big difference. Like, just you know, you're gonna have Kelsey. You're gonna have. Chris Jones, you're gonna have Rasheed Rice actually starting. Like it's, it would be it would be significant. Um, the the Baltimore game, I don't know how much would be that different. I mean, mm. the problem with Detroit has with Baltimore is I just don't know if they could beat him up front. Like they could maybe stalemate him. I don't think it'd be. And I think Detroit, if you're gonna win, if you're Detroit against either of those teams, you have to win up front. And in the Chiefs game, they didn't win up front. They won the game because. Tony dropped 18 passes and the ball went off his hands for a pick six. Like that's, yeah. I mean, like I said, and I don't look, I, I am all aboard the Lions. I think the Lions would be great this year. I think the Lions would be outclassed in the Super Bowl against either one of those two teams. I would agree uh, with that. I, I, yeah. I do not think the Niners, I would give a shot against either of them. But like, if you give me C. Spagnolo two weeks to prepare for Brock Purdy, I'm taking Kansas City in that football. <laughs> and the Chiefs are one of the few teams they can match up with them defensively. They can put Steve McDuffie yeah. one on one of those receivers. You know, they can bracket Kittle and say, all right, McCaffrey's going to have a good game. Fine. Nobody else is. You know, they can just take it away from you. I I just think if the Niners get there, they have a better shot, but I take the AFC team. If the Lions get there, I think it's a great story. I do not think the Lions are beating either one of those two teams. Especially, like, if the, if the Chiefs get there, it's almost like you're to a point at that juncture where it's like, all right, well, what the hell now? Yeah, yeah. Might as well just finish it off, right? I mean – they're playing in Vegas. The Chiefs have never lost in that stadium. <laughs> they won every single game there. So, I mean, you know, it's – who? Uh, I know it's your show, but who do you have? Who are you picking in these games? I think it'll be Kansas City, and I think it'll be San Francisco, and I think the Chiefs win it. Because at this point, like, who – I I said – I think we both kind of said going into the division round, like, whoever wins between Kansas City and Buffalo, I think we'll get to the Super Bowl. I think whoever wins that game was going to win the Super Bowl. It's just at this point, they're a boulder rolling down the hill. Like, no one's stopping that. Um, and once they figured it out in terms of, okay, offensively, we're much more calm. We know what we are. We're not going to keep trying just random BS. We got three guys that can kill you. Try to stop them. Here, here it comes. Uh, and defensively, they're great. And most of the same reasons that you pointed out, I, if you're giving me the option of, okay, you have Brock Purdy or Patrick Mahomes, I, I know which guy I'm taking. So right. I, I do think that it'll be the 49ers. I, I would love for it to be Detroit, but I think it'll ultimately be San Francisco. We have, we have the same picks. And I know people big oh, you're picking the Chiefs to your homer. I'm picking the Chiefs because it's like picking the Patriots for 20 years. I mean, yeah, right. I'm picking that team. I'm just – I. I think like Baltimore, you could also I'm not saying there's there's absolutely a million arguments to take Baltimore. My argument for Kansas City is I think the defenses are pretty much even. I mean, if you look at them statistically, they're almost dead even. Like across right. in fact, they literally in some cases are dead even, like in run defense, pass defense, the Chiefs are slightly better. Sacks are one and two. 
Like, I mean, they those teams defend. They're both good in the red zone. They're both good on third down. The Chiefs are a little better on third down defense. But I mean, it's. I just think it's going to come down to like who's the better offensive team. Now, Baltimore this year has been the better offensive team, but right now, right now with Mahomes, like I just think it's going to be a tight game. And I think if he's got one shot to win, he's winning. That that's I mean, that's just the way I look at it with them. And there's just a lot to say for a guy who now this is the sixth time that he's been in one of these things. It's the first time that Lamar has been in any. It's the first time that most of this Baltimore Ravens roster has been in this spot. Um, and I think yeah. that there's just a lot to say for the fact that, I mean, like you said, the Chiefs season pretty much starts now. This is when, you know, if if you're equally as revved up as Kansas City with their stars who have the experience of been there, done that, compared to a Baltimore Ravens team who, while talented, just hasn't been in this spot before. I, I do like Kansas City in this spot. I think this is going to be one of these games where you'll look back on it and just go, Andy Reid schemed up 10 different things, and Spagnolo came up with some look where they played eight linebackers, and you're just like, oh, okay. I mean, I've just watched this team every game, every snap they've played since they've all been together. And, like, right. whenever they play games like this, whenever they play games like this, they come up with some scheme where you're like, what are they doing? And then it just you know, it worked. I mean, they, you know, and the only time it didn't really happen was when they played the Niners years ago in the Super Bowl. And their answer to that one in the fourth quarter was, we're going to blitz him every play. I mean, they literally, if you go back and watch the tape, they blitz Garoppolo every single time he drops back. And he went three for 11 for like 30 yards in a pick in the fourth quarter. And then the Eagles game, defensively, to the Eagles' credit, the, the, the Eagles kept scoring. Um, but offensively, Andy Reid stitched the biggest clown suit alive on Jonathan Gannon in the second half of the game. Like it's just, they just find way. And Mahomes in his career against number one defense is, is again, I don't have the stats in front of me. He's something like eight and one, seven and one. He averages 31 points a game. They just destroy teams. When so I, I, and I don't think they're going to destroy Baltimore. I don't. I think it's going to uh-huh. be a very tight game. I think it's like 23 to 20. I think it's something like that. Um, this might not even be whoever has the ball last. This might be whoever kicks it last with these two kickers. Mm. Anything from like 60 and in, it's good. <laughs> so I look forward to it. I think I think it's going to be a very fun championship Sunday. I think it'll be good. Um, what have you got coming ahead of championships? I'll get to see, I see you next week. We're going to be in Mobile. I will see you in Mobile. Um, well, I will promote this uh, next week. Starting on Monday and running all the way through the week over at SI.com, we are releasing a project that I worked on for seven months. Oh, my. The 50 most influential teams in NFL history. And we put together a panel of over 30 people in the field. I mean, myself, Peter King, Albert Breer, Mike Tanier, um, Bill Polian, Louis Riddick. Uh, Aaron Schatz, I mean, on and on and on. Amy Trask, I mean, you name, like, just like top-notch people. Uh, John McClain. And so we put together this group um, and we all voted. And we came up with the 50 most influential teams. And from there, I wrote about each one. And for every team in the Super Bowl era and a couple of the Packers teams before that as well, I interviewed one of the star players or the coach of the team for the piece. And ask them, why were you so influential? And why do you think you were on this list? I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. If you don't want to read it online, you prefer print. um, It is going to also be in the magazine, which is hitting newsstands this week. 
um, I think maybe literally today or tomorrow. It is 16 pages long in the magazine. It is one of the largest spreads in the history of the company. So I am encouraging people to go out, buy it, read it, have fun with it. Um, it is it is certainly cut down in the magazine, even at 16 pages. It's running at about 15% of the words that I wrote because they just couldn't fit it all. Online, it's about 25,000 words split over five days. Um, and a lot of those words are from people like Joe Namath, Larry Zonka, Ty Law, Mitchell Schwartz, Roger Craig, Drew Pearson, um, oh God, I mean, Dan Fouts. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, I think I, I interviewed well over a dozen Hall of Famers. Dick Vermeil's in there. Bill Parcells is in there. Phil Sims is in there. Thurman Thomas is in there. Um, it was a very difficult thing to complete. It was also incredibly fun. So please read it online. I'll be tweeting it out all week. Uh, when it starts rolling out, it's going to roll out in 10 teams a day five, for five days next week. It'll be in the magazine. Uh, you know, I don't often ask people, like, please support it. Please read it. Please check it out. It would really mean a lot. I remember you telling me about that a while ago, and I'm very much looking forward to reading it. It's going to be – I'm very much looking forward to it. That's awesome. Um, in terms of what I'm doing, none of it stacks up to that, but um, – I. You know, we talked about Purdy a lot. I talked, uh, did a piece for USA Today, just breaking down the polarization of him and who the offense really runs through in San Francisco and why, you know, it's okay to admit like, okay, yes, he's fine, but let's calm down with the elite stuff. So I wrote about that. Um, that is, I feel like I had something else to say. Maybe not. Go read the Steelers coverage up behind the steel curtain as well. The offensive coordinator searches, it seems to be getting hot with Zach Robinson and Cliff Kingsbury. We'll see where, where that takes Pittsburgh, but We'll see. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about this team from for now for the rest of my life. Um, appreciate you, buddy. I will see you next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh, that, that's another thing. Um, week-long coverage of the Senior Bowl next week uh, for USA Today, Behind the Steel Curtain, lots of different uh, winners and losers for each day, quarterbacks, wide receivers, defensive backs, mostly from me personally. Um, but Doug Farrar um, will oh, – I guess D Doug Farrar will not be there. But Combine Week, we will be there as a whole team. So, so much stuff coming from the Touchdown Wire team for USA Today, Behind the Steel Curtain. We're going to be very busy all off-season long. So, support us. Support everybody in terms of our content. Read Matt's piece on the 50 most influential teams of all time. It'll be a good stuff. Always appreciate you, buddy. I'm looking forward to uh, being at the beer garden with you and eating a chicken and waffle sandwich. Yeah, yeah, that and that, that uh, place. It was Meat Boss, that place. Yeah, dude. I, I need to get some of that special sausage. I need some of that meat uh the the pulled pork stuff on that yeah uh, that that warm bread i'm gonna gain 10 pounds that week but it's gonna be more than worth it i've i actually got on the scale today because i was like i need to make <laughs> sure that things are going well it's the uh, pickleball has its benefits uh, i've basically lost 20 pounds without trying but like i i uh i was like man i gotta i gotta make sure i don't gain like five pounds when i'm in alabama so that's yeah. what i'm saying Plus, it's it's sponsored by Reese's, so every corner you turn, you're oh, gonna have some some Reese's cups as well. It's, I know it's, it. it's, it's I don't know how people how people do it, but it'll it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you're out drinking at night because you're talking about yeah. I'm I'm sure Albert Breer is gonna enjoy being down there with me. Uh, that's the SI coverage that we're having down there as Albert and I, and I'm sure that'll I'm sure he's going to enjoy uh, talking to me after I've had my eighth rum and coke as I'm trying to stay out till 5 a.m. with some coaches. I want to go to bed. We're in Veets, and it's just <laughs> – I'm I'm going to sleep a lot 
the next couple of days just to prepare myself for it. So that's a good, and it's always a fun. We just see like all the uh, the media brethren confine into yep. one city. It'd be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Always appreciate you, and uh, looking forward to Championship Sunday and everything to come. But appreciate you as always, buddy. Take care, man. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, to the pump fake, Jared Bailey. See you, maybe not next week because of the Senior Bowl, but see you very soon. And uh, thank you as always for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.